0: Hello and welcome to The Price of Football, the show that looks at the money behind a beautiful game with me, Kevin Day and Liverpool University's Kieran Maguire. Um, It's Friday, so it's an interview. Hopefully you've had 24 hours to get over the fact that apparently I do some a bit, a bit of freelance flower arranging. Apparently it's not right for a bloke to do that sort of thing. That's a, it's, it's, it's still too close to the news being released for me to do anything other than let Kieran have his day on this one. How are you, Kieran, since we last spoke, which uh, in, in price of football time was three days ago, but in our time was 90 seconds. <laughs> yes, it is. I, I'm, I'm still good. I'm still grinning from ear to ear. I know. The look of glee on your face, it wouldn't be so bad, but we can see each other now because we're recording on a new platform. A couple of weeks ago, if we were still doing it on Zencaster, I wouldn't have been able to see the look of glee on your face. You're like a pantomime villain. You, you, <laughs> I can almost see you slapping your thigh. Anyway, today we we have a, an interview today, Kieran, Um is one of the most interesting and again I've said this before to people I wish it wasn't necessary to, for them to exist and for us to talk about these, these issues um, we spoke to the chair of Level Playing Field Tony Taylor and the development officer Daniel Townley about the release on Monday of their annual survey of a, a great number of disabled fans and their Experience on match day, and in particular, about how much more money it cost them to go to games than it costs the rest of us. And this is what they had to say. Tony, Daniel, thank you very much for joining us this morning. We really appreciate it. Um, I'll start with you, Tony. For those of, of our listeners that don't know, can you please tell us who Level Playing Field are and what your role is within the organisation?
1: Okay, well, but I'll introduce myself. I'm, I'm the, the chairman of Level Playing Field. We're a, a registered charity. We've been around for uh, over a quarter of a century. And I, I think I've been uh, w- uh, with it for uh, probably about half of that uh, that period. Uh, our role is primarily to uh, uh, represent uh, the interests of disabled supporters and uh, spectators and their, uh, uh, their families and, and so on, but we also work very closely uh, not just with the, the the fans but also with clubs and governing bodies to ensure that accessibility is at the highest level that uh, uh we we uh we could uh we could expect and in fact um, you know i I always say you know wouldn't it be a great world if there was no need for an organization like level playing field but uh, sadly uh i, I suspect it, it's always going to be the case that uh, that we're required so we have that uh uh-, uh tripod of interests I, I i guess in terms of the spectators. Football clubs and governing bodies and we we try and work uh, collaboratively i think with uh, with those organizations to uh, to achieve things and you know we've, I think we 've seen some pretty good progress in in recent years, but there 's still a long long way to go
0: we always say wouldn 't it be a great world if we didn 't need to have the price of football podcast but unfortunately i think i think i think it's going to be a long time before both our organizations are redundant yeah Uh, daniel before i ask you uh, the next question perhaps you could just tell us a little bit about your role within level playing field
2: yeah sure hi so i've been with level playing field for four years now and uh, i'm the development officer a lot of my work is working alongside clubs to help improve their accessibility and i do that by delivering disability awareness training and passing on best practice and guidance uh, and running events and forums where they can sort of learn more, basically. So that's the majority of my role. I also head up on sort of research. uh, So hence uh, coming on today to talk about the survey
0: yes I, I understand you're the data guru i've never i've never actually seen i've, I've never seen Kieran's uh, ears actually prick up before but when he, when we heard when we heard we had a data guru he was very
2: I got called Carol Vorderman in the office but that's
0: uh, not it's not a nickname that i've given
2: myself
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's not a bad nickname tell, tell us a little bit Daniel, about the, the 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 scope and purpose of your annual fan survey
2: yeah sure so we um when I joined the organization it was quite clear that the, that the sort of the data that we were using some of it was outdated some of it was just not accurate or just not exactly what you wanted and so we we were quite purposeful in wanting to set up a year on year survey where we could really understand more about disabled fans experience of attending live sport find out about the the barriers they're experiencing um, and then, yeah, just to, to have a, a, a kind of a deeper insight into maybe one or two particular areas of that fan experience as well. So um, most of the questions in the annual survey each year will, will remain the same. And then each year, there's scope for a few other questions to change slightly. And this year, obviously, we decided to focus on that that cost of attending as, a, as our kind of primary focus. But yeah, generally, the, the, the scope of it is uh, it's grown year on year. So uh, we've we've sort of started off with I think just over a thousand, and now this last uh, survey was closer to two thousand responses. So it's a hu- huge number of, uh, of disabled fans who are giving us their their feedback. Mm.
0: Uh, you mentioned live sport there, Daniel, because we should st- stress this report is not just about football, is it? Uh, at, primarily, it's, it's football, but it is other sports as well.
2: Correct. Yeah. So. Most of the work that we do is within football, um, but there are uh, we, we're increasingly wanting to to be involved in, in other sports as well, and to uh, to be able to support other other clubs and other and other fans. Obviously, make improvements right across sport. Uh, so yeah, just from the responses, I think about half the responses roughly were Premier League um, football, uh, and then the, there was probably about uh, seven or eight percent that were in rugby. Uh, and then a, a few less than 1% in cricket. So, yeah, still very much football focused, really. But, um, yeah, something that we w- hope in future we'll be able to to work across other sports more as well.
0: Daniel, the next question I ask to you will be about the financial impact, as you're the data guru. There's no point talking to Tony, it turns <laughs> out. Uh, <coughs> about, but I do want to ask Tony something first if that's all right. Because obviously, Tony, we, we want to concentrate on the financial aspects of the report. But it was very disappointing to, to read that the number of disabled fans who say inaccessible public transport stops from attending games has risen, as has the number put off going to games by disability abuse. How is it, Tony, that in 2023, these things are still happening?
1: well let let me deal with the latter one disability abuse i don't know how that is still is still happening it seems to be something that's on the increase it's something i've personally experienced o- over the years and it's it's not at all uh, not at all pleasant there are times when things improve i, I remember when we had the the paralympics in, in london everything was great, you know, everybody was, you know, get on the tube train, people would be standing up and giving you their the seat, and, you know, people would be helping you up and down stairs and all, all, all sorts of things, and that, that gradually waned after a period, and it seems in the last few years, I don't know whether it's the uh, sort of post- Covid impact or something like that, but it seems to have got a lot worse in in the last couple of years from from my personal experience and and certainly from people that uh, uh, I I talk to at, at, at matches. How how that can be explained? I'm really not sure, but I think we need to do an awful lot as, as a society, not just as as football or rugby or whatever, but as a society to to change that. And it probably starts, uh, you know, with kids at at, at school that uh, uh, need 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 to understand that you know a, a disabled person is effectively is a human, well not effectively is a human being. You know, we are human beings. We have the same thoughts and feelings that uh, other other people have, and it, it's uh, it strikes me as crazy that. Uh, uh, disability abuse is, is on, on the right. I can understand, you know, let me just put this in context, I, I can kind of understand, you know, one of the issues I face at, at football matches is, is not getting into the stadium or watching the match, it's getting out. I find that the worst time of all, uh, you know, because you've got, you know, so many people just wanting to get away. I can sort of understand that because I I come from a background where I was a non-disabled person and then a car crash put me on the the other side of the fence. So I I understand the, the, the situation from that. But what I can't understand is just this general attitude that, you know, disabled people are worthless and we're not gonna to, uh, tolerate them or, or deal with them and we're just gonna ignore them or bypass them. I find that deeply, uh, uh, deeply offensive. Now, in terms of the, the, the other question you asked t- uh, uh, regarding the uh, Accessibility of uh, public transport—it's getting worse. You know, we've got a situation with uh, uh, the train strikes, which I, I guess will will have impacted uh, upon that. We're going to have a, a bigger situation. I think it's uh, uh, probably today's—we we're uh, uh, having this conversation that they're going to announce the the situation re- regarding ticket officers for, for uh, uh, train tickets. Now, I put it into uh, a, a real life situation with the train tickets. It is an issue for disabled people, but my my personal uh, situation, if I want to get a a a priority seat which has got slightly more leg room, uh, which uh, I tell you I need with uh, uh, being uh, somebody who uses crutches, uh, I have to go to the ticket office to get that uh, that's it. I don't know how that's going to happen once. Uh, the ticket office is closed, and it's just going to be first come, first served. And you know, whether you need it or not, you know, it'd be nice to have a bit of extra legroom. So, I mean, that that's that's a problem. But the whole structure of uh, public transport. Is is under pressure and it, and it's you know, it, you know I, I live in the uh, uh, the north of England at the moment. There's uh, there's problems with uh, reduced bus services and uh, um, you know that there's a, a, a strike I think in the in the northeast as well where uh, people just can't get around. These all impact on on uh, disabled supporters when they when they're trying to make their arrangements. I mean, you try planning ahead, sort of three months time, and when you're disabled and you you want to go to a match, it's not you know. Okay, I'm going tomorrow. You plan ahead, because you have to. I mean, I've got things that I have to to organize to make sure that I'm able to get there. And I like to do it so two, three months ahead. At the moment, you can't do that, and that's a real problem.
0: I, I, I know exactly who I'd blame for everything you've just talked about, but this is not a politics pod. This is not a politics pod, and Guy gets cross when I start going on about the government. You, you've, you've said something there, Tony, that's, that hasn't occurred to me. Uh, again, it, it's kind of, I feel slightly ashamed sometimes. I read these reports and I think that hasn't occurred to me. That hadn't occurred to me. We interviewed a young blind fan a couple of weeks ago, and so much of what he said was like, that simply hadn't occurred to me. And we, we talk a lot. With great anger about the the arbitrary way that the broadcasters rearrange football games, because it's, it's hard enough for, for for all fans to change their arrangements, but of course it's I realise now it's it's even harder for you.
1: Yeah, well it is, so, you know, for those who, uh, those of us who have to organise personal assistance, you know, if you, if you're having to change that yeah, uh, situation yeah. right at the, the last minute, it, it it's, it's crazy when the you know the actual getting to and from a match is is a is a, a real headache at times and, and you and you know if, if uh you know, because we're disabled don't mean we don't work uh, but we probably everything we do probably takes a little bit longer to uh, to organize so you know i was talking earlier about I stay. I tend to stay in the stadium until the crowds have dispersed before I leave. That probably adds an hour on to, to my travelling time. If the match is suddenly changed from three o'clock till five o'clock or whatever, that means it's quite late when I get back. I'm still going to get to work first thing in in, in the morning. Uh,
0: two things, Tony. May I ask the extent of your disability, and second, who do you
1: support? <laughs> well, I, I, yeah, I'll do do with the easy one first of all. I I, uh, I I'm, I'm what. I, Guess what? You would classify as ambulant disabled. I had a a car crash which uh, uh, damaged my spine at my at my neck, which uh, uh, is quite quite a a, a serious proposition to uh, to deal with. But I'm, I'm I managed to uh, uh, to walk. But I'm, I've been told. Uh, well, I was told 15 years ago that uh, within five years I'd be a a wheelchair user. But I'm. I'm I'm sort of sometime wheelchair user at the moment but uh, I can, I can feel that uh, that deteriorating so I, I when I go to matches I I use uh, uh I I probably use my wheelchair more than uh, uh than I use crutches but just because um you know I, I find it uh, uh, a, a safer way of getting around in in, in large crowds. So that that's uh, that's the the, the the easy question. The difficult question is who I support. I I from uh, about 1965, I think I, I I saw a guy called Ray Yeoman who was a bald headed guy scoring a fantastic header against Luton Town for Darlington. Uh, uh, and for many, many, many years, I was a Darlington fan, and it's uh, it's not a good time to be a Darlington fan, I, I've got to say. And I was, <laughs> no,
0: no. I was
1: involved with the uh, Supporters Trust at the time of uh, George Reynolds being. Uh, uh, um you yeah, know rather silly with with the club which uh has left it with uh more than a few problems let's, let's say that so uh i, I, I my supporting at, at the moment is, is sort of split between uh keeping an eye out on, on on darlington and also uh uh watching middlesbrough who uh are just around the corner from me so and i i live just around the, the corner from their training ground so that, that's quite convenient for me
0: uh, and I, I... I think "rather silly" is the best euphemism I've heard to describe what George Reynolds got up to. George
1: Reynolds was uh, a frightening character. I mean he he was regarded as a lovable rogue but he wasn't. He was uh, um uh, I don't often speak uh, ill of the dead but he was um, you know he, he was not the nice character that he was portrayed portrayed in the media. He was a difficult character to deal with.
0: And and Daniel before I come to you can I check Daniel do you have a disability? No,
2: I'm not <clears throat> I'm not disabled.
0: Okay, right. Um, let's talk then about the financial impact. I, I noticed it's interesting that you wanted to concentrate in this survey on the financial impact on disabled fans. Just tell us a little bit about what you were told by people who took part in the survey about how much it cost them to get to, to games.
2: Yeah, so uh, we we asked several questions in regards to the, the cost of attending. Um, and the, I mean, I guess the main the main stat that we were asking about was that financial amount uh, for attending for away fa- for for those fans. Sorry, for home fans, there was an additional expense because of disability related factors of sixty six pounds for home games, and then uh, for away games, that amount was one hundred and eleven pounds. Um, now that was the that was those who said that there were additional uh, disability related costs to them attending live sports. Um, and obviously those are enormous figures uh, in addition to you know, regular match day costs like ticketing. Um, and the breakdown of that was things like, you know, specific accessible travel uh, and parking related costs, maybe costs for a, a companion or a personal assistant to attend the game with them. Uh, that could be in relation to accommodation costs, uh, specific kind of disability-related accommodation, and some other maybe medication or, or disability-related equipment. So all of these other factors contribute to that. That those overall key figures um, of yeah, sixty-six pounds for home games and one hundred and eleven for away, uh, which you know I'm, we knew that there would be an additional cost, but we we were surprised that they were that high. Um, and obviously that's a huge amount. And this is going to significantly yeah, hinder many people's ability to to go to to, go to games on a regular basis.
0: Uh, there may be some people listening to this, Daniel. Uh, those figures are over a season, I presume, aren't they? That's match by match. That's match by match? Correct. You're kidding? No. Holy mother, seriously. Oh, my God. What? Oh, wow. <laughs> seriously. I, I, I generally, because my, my next question is going to be, there may be people who think that over a season... That's not a lot of money, and I was going to say to some to some people, I, I, seriously, I need to learn to read things more accurately because I just that's incredible. That's match by match. So paying customers, people who are paying to go to a football match, are paying. So Tony's paying sixty six pound more than I am to go to a Middlesbrough game than I am paying to go to a Palace game. That's that's out. um,
2: that's terrible so so should, should just clarify this is for those who do have additional uh disability related costs so within the survey we there were about uh 46 percent of the all of the responses said that they did have additional costs so roughly half of the people in the survey said that they did have additional disability related costs and then of those this was the average so for, for half they said that they didn't but for the half that did this was the average of those additional costs yeah
0: uh, Kieran, I want to bring you in here because you're, you're better at righteous anger than I am. That's, I mean, it's just wrong, isn't it?
3: I think there is a, a broader issue in terms of the way society treats disabled people than, than just the football industry. And, you know, from what Daniel and Tony have said, many of these costs are not directly linked with the football match itself. It is transport, accommodation, access. Um, and we do appear... Uh, you know certainly from what Tony was saying earlier we're becoming a less civil society we're becoming a less tolerant society um there are triggers for that and again we are, we're not a political show but I think we know what those triggers have been in recent years and, and I think it's a, it's it's heading in the in the wrong direction certainly with regards I, I I'm I'm a huge fan of trains and I think people are aware um and from what Tony was saying I I was a, a a railway station the other night where there was a, a young lady who was in tears about something. As a bloke of my age, I feel uncomfortable about approaching somebody. But what was great to see was that there was a member of staff from from one of the rail organisations who went up, who, who just said, how are you doing? Managed to comfort her, take away the distress. And I think we the, the rail network is is a great thing in this country historically and it's a public service it's not a public cost and it should be run along those lines because there are people of certain yeah you know, some people aren't able to drive due to disability some people aren't able to drive due to age some people aren't able to drive because they don't have cars and therefore to have a facility which is is where people pay safe and people feel that they'll get a, a decent service is, is a much broader issue and there is a culture now in modern-day society to take that away because everything is being viewed from a, through a financial lens. And as somebody, who, yeah, okay, broadly I understand numbers and finance. I, I feel increasingly uncomfortable
1: with regards to that. Can I just add a point in there? That, you know, in terms of the the rail network, the, the provision for uh, disabled passengers. If you look at it, you know, and you read it on a piece of paper, it looks really, really good. However, the reality is a lot different from what uh, what you're told you're going to expect. So, for instance, you go to a, a station that you're told is, is accessible and you, you you find that that means that there's a bloke with a ramp who's there for your, your wheelchair. But when you turn up, he's not there or the ramp's not there or the ramp's broken. So you can't get on the, the train or you go to a a, a station that's got accessible lifts. And they're out of order i mean the number of times i have come across that it's absolutely ridiculous or you go into onto a, a carriage and in, 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 in certain trains and you can't get your wheelchair in, in into the loo you know i mean come on you know we're we're in the 21st century these these sort of things are just not acceptable at all and they do impinge on uh spectators going away to uh, i mean are, are you going to really put your, yourself through that sort of misery to go and watch a football match, um, you know, and what we're trying to encourage, uh, particularly at uh, Level Playing Field, is more and more people with disabilities to start going to, to football because it brings huge benefits to them as, uh, you know, from a you know, mental health point of view, certainly, but also from a, a physical health, just, you know, just getting out of the, the house and getting out and about really makes a big, big difference.
0: Before I ask the next question I've got written down here, Tony, uh, uh, again, this is one of those interviews where you say things and, and it just occurs to me i need to ask about them. Can I ask whether you notice a difference in attitudes in your, when you're in your wheelchair than when you're on crutches?
1: Um, yeah, I think I, I, I do. And uh, the principal thing I notice is that you seem to suddenly become invisible when you're in a wheelchair. Um, you know when I'm in i don't know whether it's some psychological thing that it's i eye, eye, eyeball to eyeball that uh, uh, people notice to you but but you know you still get this uh, attitude from a lot of people and I, I i still find it even in the medical profession i've got to say where you know the the does he take sugar sort of uh, attitude when they look up to the person who's pushing your wheelchair or, or whatever uh, but certainly uh, uh, at matches if you're in a big crowd and you're in a wheelchair uh, you know i, I I use a power chair, which is a big, heavy piece of equipment. If that runs over you, it hurts. I can I can tell you from <laughs> personal experience. But the number of people who ro- who walk in front of me, you know, as though I'm not there, and and it's you know it, it's it's absolutely ludicrous. And there's no need for it. I mean, I, they can see I'm there, but they just. Just seem to assume that because you're there, you're you're, you're having it comfortable because you're in a wheelchair with a you know a, a joystick and you're moving around. It's not you're not expiring any energy, so you can brake nice and easy. You know, you know it doesn't always work like that.
2: There was an interview with uh, with Michael J. Fox, the Back to the Future actor, where he describes being treated as luggage when he uses a wheelchair. And he just yeah compares, the, compares that experience with when he's not using a wheelchair, just says it's completely different. People just treat him totally differently.
0: Uh, Daniel, I do have some data questions for you coming up. But if you don't mind, the, ne- the next two questions are for Tony. Uh, Whatever, for both of you, if you want to join in, of course they are, but we, uh, as I say, we spoke to a young blind fan a few weeks ago who was brilliant, and with the response to his interview, was amazing, but he was particularly agitated, I think is the right word to use, about disability training for match day stewards, and I noticed that that features heavily in the survey, doesn't it?
1: Well, it does, and it's it's important. I think uh, I think we've seen progress in the last last few years. I've got to say, in, in terms of uh, uh, the provision of training to uh, to stewards, it's something that we're we're actively involved with uh, with ourselves. And you know, it used to be the situation. and I think it probably still is in in a lot of instances that. You know, disability. Well, we'll we'll leave that to somebody else. But you know, if you want to really understand disability, you, you you've got you've got to you've got to invest some time in it. Uh, uh, for instance, you know, they did. You know, I, I was once at a, a match taking my crutches. I'm not sure if I mentioned this last time we spoke. Uh, and the, the steward tried to take the the crutches off me because he thought they were a weapon. You know, a, or a potential weapon. I mean, that's I mean, that's sort of you know just basic education that um, you know people are, you know using crutches for for a reason, or they they've got other requirements, especially for a, a, you know. So we we we've, we've got a lot more uh, involvement these days with. Uh, 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 disability that goes beyond the wheelchair. You know, it's not it's not just wheelchair users. There's so many people with uh, invisible disabilities or hidden disabilities, whatever uh, classification you want to to give to it. unless people are trained to 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 recognise that this is the case or it might be the case or so, you know or the ambulant guy who needs to go through a, a gate rather than through a turnstile because you know he, his limbs won't cope with a, a turnstile stewards need to understand that and they've got to be trained to understand that if uh, if, uh, if, if if there's going to be progress
2: and,
0: and well, talking of, uh, of the,
2: sorry, Daniel, come in. Uh, no, I was just going to say one of the big issues is just the, the, the turnover of staff. So you, you may have some stewards that are trained, but then actually they're not necessarily working every match, or they may only be in the position short term. So the training is one of those things that just has to be ongoing and, and has to just, yeah, anybody new that's coming in has to be trained at, at the very least for, for a basic level of disability awareness and understanding. Certainly that point that not all disabilities are visible is a, is a massive one.
0: And, and talking of stewards, and again, I mentioned before about things that simply don't occur to me as an as an, an able bodied fan, for want of a better word. Stewards, of course, shouldn't be allowing smoke bombs and flares to get into the ground, but it never occurred to me until I read your report about the the impact of smoke bombs and flares. Is bigger, greater for for disabled fans, is it not? Tony? Yeah, well, it
1: is, and it, and, it, and it's something that uh, concerns me greatly. We've we've seen a situation with smoke uh, smoke flares landing very close to. Uh, uh disabled supporters in in Stadio. i think there was a, a a case up in my part of the world not uh, not so very long ago uh, about that so that you know that's the incendiary issue i think that uh, applies but there's also people who've got uh you know either bronchial issues or other issues uh, or uh, frankly you know if one of those things lands near you it's not it's not at all pleasant um and uh, you know it, it amazes me that uh we we still see those uh uh, flares in 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 use in in stager and, and it seems to be an, an increasing usage, uh, which uh, does concern me greatly. Well, in mean,
0: part, the problem is we call it at sellers' part the air search, in the, in that they wave their they wave their hands in the general direction of your your coat, but they don't they don't get anywhere near searching finding anything that you've got. Um, Daniel, are there are there any notable improvements in this year's survey from from previous years? Are there any things that your, your fans are saying are getting better?
2: <clears throat> Notable is is perhaps a key word. <laughs> there are some some stats that did improve. I wouldn't say any of them were sort of significant improvements, but um, actually some of the barriers that, that disabled people face uh, were, did drop uh, slightly. So uh, actually the, the sort of the key stat of physical access at stadiums being a barrier uh, was actually re- reduced this year compared to last year. Um, so it. With all of these, there's there's sort of context and you, you have to try and sort of gauge, you know, what are the reasons behind these stats? You know, it, it's hard to just take 2,000 people and giving you one figure and, and sort of to, to draw conclusions from that. Uh, it might be, you know, that fewer people are attending games or for whatever reason, physical access to stadiums, that as a barrier did reduce. Um, hopefully that's partly due to the work that we're doing at a level playing field. Um, uh, but uh, yeah, the the, the overall... Most of the, the the sort of the results were more concerning than they were positive.
0: Mm. Uh, you've sort of preempted my next question, uh, Daniel. Um, so I've got I've got three questions, three final questions to ask you, and they're they're sort of linked. So if you don't mind, I'm going to ask them together, and I'd, I'd Kieran, I'd like you to to join in this as well, because there are there are three things I'd like to know. First of all, how do you use the data you've collected? Secondly, what do you want clubs and transport providers to do now with your, your outcomes? And finally, have you calculated how much it may cost clubs to provide the level playing field that a whole number of paying customers, and I stress the word paying customers, simply aren't getting? And that's something I'll bring Kieran in as well, the, how much it, it would cost clubs. So perhaps, Daniel, if you start with the how, you, how you'd be using the data question. Yeah so with the responses that we've
2: got we we've broken them down club by club and also league by league and passed on that information to specific Clubs. So every club that had at least one fan who responded to the survey, we've sent them an individual report of just their responses so that they can look through those, they can draw the conclusions, there's there's written feedback within each of those as well so that clubs can see what their fans are saying and also so they can compare those results with the overall figures to see how they compare against other clubs and nationally speaking as well. We've also done those league by league comparisons and passed those on to the uh, the Premier League, the EFL, uh, for them to be able to view. And so, yeah, the, everybody's got a, a better picture of um, of of yeah of what's going on, in football, of the level of accessibility and what can be improved, really. Um, we will continue to use the results ourselves to inf- inform what we do as a charity. So the areas where there's particular concern things around public transport disability abuse there'll be areas where we will focus our work particularly over the next sort of 12 months or so um so yeah that, that's the idea of the survey is to help inform us where we need to be focusing our efforts and energies really um and engaging fans and making improvements
0: I, I have to say to the enormous credit of bristol rovers they listened to the interview we had before with our young blind fan who was reluctant to name individual clubs but did accidentally revealed that going to Bristol Rovers as an away fan was very difficult for a blind fan. And to, to their credit, they got in touch within an hour of the podcast interview going out to speak to him about how they could improve the experience, which is what you, you'd like to hear. But uh, Tony, I'll aim mean, this as you. What If other clubs are listening to this now or in the unlikely event that Transport, you know, the Minister for Transport is listening, what what do you want clubs to do in the short term? What's the bare minimum they should be doing in the light of this report,
1: well, yeah, well, I, I don't think it's necessarily just in the light of this report. There's, I mean, it's a human rights issue. I, yeah, I, I, I think. But uh, um, you know, we have uh, you know, minimum standards that are laid out in terms of building regulations and in terms of uh, uh, the Equality Act and so on. And I think there's a lot that needs to needs to be done. So, and I, I, let me just put it slightly differently. I think football as a an, an, as an industry as a whole can uh, can hold its head up high compared with a lot of other uh, sectors, because it does take the issue of uh, disability seriously. For, for instance, you know, I take a simple issue with you know, the, the uh, I was at the uh, League Cup final. It was great to see that the EFL had organised for signing of the, you know, and the and the, the announcements at that, that match. You know, that, that's, little things like that make such a Big, big uh, uh, step forward. So I think I think you know we're not expecting every every club to suddenly be 100% accessible, you know, because we we understand the finances uh, of it, that are involved and you know the difficulty we have with um, uh, disability as the a protected characteristic. It's the one pr- protected characteristic that involves capital expenditure to uh, to cover it. So we understand the, the, you know that, that it's not going to happen overnight at the top end of the game it should do because of the the resources are are there to to deal with it but we know that there's that there's other complications that need to be taken into account so i'm i'm quite pragmatic in in that point of view but what i do want to see is 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 progress but so take the stadiums themselves i think we're we're seeing in, in, in improvements there's still a long way to go but you know you're right about the the other aspects that are more general in terms of society are are quite difficult for us to uh, uh, to contend with. So the in, in terms of uh, uh, public transport and accessibility, I mean I don't know how we're going to resolve that. It does need a lot uh, a lot to change, and it's probably not going to change very very quickly, which is a bit disappointing.
0: Uh, my club Crystal Palace has a very uh, vocal, very active disabled supporters group. Uh, and they're in constant communication with with Steve Parish who, who and he points out that t- two sides of the ground are not fit for purpose for for able bodied fans let alone disabled fans so and it's one of the reasons he wants to build the new stand is is to accommodate disabled fans properly but it's 2023 that should be happening anyway and what frustrates me and this is the last question I want to ask and I want to get Kieran's views on this it is premier league clubs still talk about cost it shouldn't matter what the cost is they're premier league clubs but daniel have you are you able to calculate how much it would cost clubs to provide this level playing field um so my my qualified
2: access auditor colleagues would be a better would be better people to speak to about the exact costing but it's worth pointing out that there are several things that are low cost or or no cost um improvements that can be made for fans so it's not just i know obviously there are these big ticket items that that uh, are going to be costly but just things like adding subtitles you know on on the big screens when you've got videos or um when things are being spoken you know that's not that's not going to cost anything it's just But considering disabled fans, things like making, you know, your accessible toilets stoma friendly, um, just adding a hook on the back of the door, a shelf, a a bin, a mirror, these things are not huge costs, um, but can actually make a really big difference for many uh, disabled fans. Yeah, Obviously, obviously there are those those bigger costs um, and I I don't have a calculation. Obviously, it's going to change from club to club depending on what they already provide, what they already have um, available to fans. Um, But uh, Tony, I don't know if you've got (laughs) any better answer than that.
1: Well, no, it, it it it's it's difficult to to say because you know obviously each each ground has got its own uh, particular uh, issues to to do with in in terms of construction. But well, I, I think an interesting point is that you know when when we see new new builds coming along, and you know even even at the a fairly advanced stage in the, in the new build, we're still having to give advice to. Uh, uh, d- designers and and so on about uh, accessibility. And you you really would have thought that that would have been uh, taken into account right right at the very start, which is a bit uh, bit disappointing. But you know, you you mentioned Crystal Palace, and uh, I have always got a soft spot for Crystal Palace. Your your manager is our is our patron, so I'm, I'm uh, uh, always could take a keen eye on that. The um uh you know the, the, this argument that. We can't, we can't do things because it's an old stadium or construction doesn't facilitate this. I've heard it so many times. You know, I've, I've been involved in uh, uh, level playing field for uh, far too many years. I'm, I'm, I'm sure, and it's always the excuse that I'm, I'm given. Uh, we were given it by one very. I'm not going to mention the the, the club. Uh, you can probably guess, but we were, we were given that very excuse by a, a very big, uh, very wealthy Premier League club. And it was only when they were threatened by Uh, Not not us, but by uh, another organisation with uh, legal action. Lo and behold, things suddenly changed. And you know, I talked about being pragmatic. They made sensible relatively low cost changes that made such a difference and you know um you know I, i'm sure it can be done if uh, if, there, if if there is well i, I understand that you know it, it's an expense and it's capital expenditure and people always look at the balance sheet however there is a moral issue that i think is really really important in this mm.
0: relatively low costs is an interesting one and and i will bring you in a, a moment Kieran. uh steve parrish again to his, to his credit um, they converted two executive boxes into a quiet, calm space, um, which is which has been incredibly successful. And and Steve Parrish has pointed out, yeah, you know, th- there is a loss of income there from two executive boxes, but it's a relatively small loss of income. But the, the 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 credit gained, if you like, the karma gained, makes up for that. So so Kieran, I'd like to bring you in here because I know this is something we've talked about privately. You you may have a better indication of how much it would cost a club uh, to, to, to to just allow access to people who are paying to get in, um, compared to how much a club is making every year. I think it's impossible to put a cost on on an individual club basis
3: because every set of circumstances is unique. But you've only got to look at you know, Manchester United have just announced an increase in matchday income of twenty six million pounds. In a single season, um, to indicate that it can be achieved, and uh, yeah, I think from what Tony and Daniel have been saying, it's it's not a case of um, lack of lack of budget. It's it's lack of thought or disabled fans being an afterthought as opposed to being integrated, because you know Tony's circumstances. You know, you know he's he's changed following you know what happened to him. It could happen to any of us, and, and to take away what is so central to all of us as, as football fans, and to have such disregard. And, and you know, I honestly think that football is, you know, from certainly from, from my observation, I, I was I was on crutch, crutches for a couple of months a few years ago, um, and I knew what it was like for a few for a few matches to attend and 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 the challenges that that brought. Um, I do think football is probably ahead of of many other aspects of society, and we're probably you know something which we can be broadly proud of I certainly was very proud during during covid the way that, that football treated people um but it's it's a much broader issue um and, and i think too we we hold football as a lightning rod for so many things these days which we should be looking at Yeah, you know, whether that's the treatment of disabled people and whether that's the issues which are rising in terms of racism and so on that uh it, it's it's increasing concern for me.
1: Daniel, I, I,
0: I keep going to Tony, so I want. I think it's only fair to give the last word to you. Uh, I think you know this is a finance pod, so the data guru should get the last word. Can you just sort of maybe uh, up up some a couple of the recommendations in the report? Maybe some of the the ones that are more easy for clubs to do, but and just give us a sort of conclusion as to what people listening to this at home can do as well to make life easier for those fans who, as I keep emphasising, are paying a shed load of money to go to a football match?
2: Yeah, so I think just consideration is the big one, both from the club's perspective and other fans' perspective. Just that understanding that actually attending matches, uh, there may be some differences for disabled fans, um, and just to, to kind of be considerate of those of those different access requirements that different people have. Um Obviously, in relation to the cost of attending, one of the things that we've said to clubs is just to, for them to be mindful and aware of that significant additional cost and making sure that there's nothing that they're doing that's adding to that cost in any way and, and where possible to make sure that disabled fans are not yeah, having to pay more than they need to. Um, and then obviously, you know, making those uh, changes. Uh, I mentioned earlier about some of the simple things that can be done. Um, there's also things like sensory packs or maybe, um, dementia packs, you know, for fans, things like that, that actually are not necessarily big expenses, but actually can make a big difference to, to fans. Um, and yeah, the the, uh, the the training that we mentioned as well is, is a massive one. So making sure that all staff within the club have got, you know, at least a baseline understanding of, of disability awareness um, and that uh, they're able to confidently interact with disabled fans and to, to make sure that they have what they require on match days. I think for other fans, yeah, just being mindful. One of the big issues that we get, time and time again, is is people stood in front of disabled fans, particularly obviously wheelchair users, and then not being able to see the game. So, you know, if you're a fan attending a match, do make sure that you're not stood right at the front of that of the stand and, and in people's way and uh, that's uh, makes a massive difference uh, yeah and just being uh, just being considerate um you know if, if if fans are using public transport and they need some support maybe offer support you know just be be uh, be somebody who's going to be considerate of disabled fans and their requirements i think that's uh, that's all for me <laughs>
0: Daniel, this is one of those interviews that keeps every question I ask raises another question. (laughs) Would you mind telling me what what, what a a dementia pack is?
2: Yeah, so uh, there's a a club uh, in the Midlands who who, uh, started this launchers initiative um, and it's just a a pack um, in a folder with just some helpful things for fans that might have dementia. So Maybe uh, reminding them of some of the matches in the past or players from the past. They also had things like having a, um, a a sticker on that supporter's chair. So if they're a, a season ticket holder, they can actually put a sticker onto their seat to remind them that that's their seat. So it's got their name and just a, a prompt so that they can find their seat more easily on a match day. Um, uh, that may have a, a wristband or a, um, a card to say that they're a fan who has dementia, and so they can show that to a steward and receive some additional support. So things like that.
0: Can I ask what club that is? Because we're yeah, quick yeah. enough to name and shame on it. This point, yeah, I think yeah. we should name and praise as well. <laughs>
2: Absolutely. So yeah. So that was that was Wolves. Um, Wolves have got a, a, a very good disability officer at the club um, who is very good at uh, yeah coming up with these initiatives and, and ideas to help fans. So.
0: Yeah, Well I mean—that's a fantastic idea. And what what does that cost? A fiver for each pack? Uh, yeah.
2: Well, I I think I, I think it was largely just yeah, sort of printing materials in the office, and and I think that disability officer actually funded some of it herself. I think as well. So yeah, very minimal.
0: Well, that's well, that's well, that's brilliant. Congratulations to Wolves, uh, Tony. I, I can't thank you enough for coming on this morning. Uh, again, it's one of those interviews I wish we didn't have to do, but unfor- unfortunately, this time next year there will still be a need for level playing field and I think there'll still be a need for the price of football. So we'll catch up after the next annual survey and let's hope that there has been some improvement in between.
1: Let's hope so. I, I, I think there's a long way for us to uh, to go to uh, achieve things. A lot of it uh, is down to, to clubs. A lot of it is down to the governing bodies who are making uh, uh, a, a good progress i've, I've got to say in, in fairness to them but there's also the the impact of uh, fellow spectators who just need to take that uh, i think daniel uh, was talking about the, the consideration and i think that that really is the you know the you know one of the, the key things just put yourself in our, in our shoes for for a moment and just think what it's like for, for us to have to do you know all the, all the problems that we have to deal with in getting there and a little bit of uh, uh, uh consideration will go an awful long way to making life uh, more 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 pleasant and you know at, at the end of the day we're we're out to encourage more and more people to get uh, involved in attending live sport and the the, the financial uh benefits for uh, our industry if we do if we if we do see that are quite quite incredible we've got one in four people in the population are affected by disability in one way or another so if we can get uh Uh, more and more of those people involved in spectating live sport, we're going to make huge progress.
0: Mm. Uh, Tony, Daniel, thank you so much for talking to us. It's been very, very illuminating. Um, (laughs) It's not always in a good way, but it's been fascinating to talk to you and we'll talk to you again this time next year. Perfect. Thank you very much indeed. Great. Thank you. I I think first of all, Kieran, I I should probably acknowledge... That at some stages during that interview, it sounded like furniture was being moved somewhere and a dog was being kidnapped. Um, so either I need to uh, ask after the whereabouts routes of Findlay, um or we just put it down to Halloween. So there were one or two uh, bumps and noises. But it was an interview, Kieran, that I, as I said several times, I, I kept saying I didn't realise that. The, the fact, Kieran, that it costs... On average, a disabled fan one hundred eleven pounds more to go to an away game than it would cost you and I, and I assume that was one hundred eleven pounds a year more. Mm, I not. still thought, and I still thought that was too. These these are paying customers, Kieran. That's that's all. At the end of the day, these people, regardless of their, their the level of their disability, are paying customers at a football game who have bought a ticket or a season ticket, and yet for home games they're paying sixty quid a week per game to get to more than we are and for a away games 111 pounds game. given it's untenable
3: it is and i think it's it's testament to just how important football is to those people that they make the sacrifices in terms of other things which they they spend their money on such as their love for the club and and the joy that it brings being able to watch um a lot of those costs are external to the football club itself but you do wonder if football clubs could make a bit more effort you know, to acknowledge the the challenges faced by disabled fans in, in terms of pricing. Um, and also, I think what was disturbing was we as football fans, we need to be doing more as well because you're not invisible. You shouldn't be invisible if you're in a wheelchair and you should be treated with more respect uh, in in terms of just giving people a bit, yeah, a bit of space, and treating them as equals because they
0: are equals. Well, it's, it's not even more respect, Kieran, is it? It's the same respect, and yeah. and the fact the fact that they're reporting that disabled people are not going to football matches because disabled abuse is is increasing is just it it, it beggars belief. And as as both Tony, who is himself disabled, pointed out, and Daniel the the mental health benefits for disabled fans going to football are, are huge. So those should be acknowledged as well. It, it shouldn't happen that they're having to pay more money. And, and off off air, Daniel Townley told us that um, Scope, um disabled charity, have, have calculated that for the average family with a disabled person in a house, their household bills are £970 a month more than... The rest of us, and again, these are facts that you know. We, you, and I try to to be as kind and as helpful as we can. But these are all figures that I had no idea had no idea about, Kieran, and they should be made public. And hats off to level playing field for doing so.
3: Yes, yeah, it, it was it was an education listening to Tony and Daniel, and you know, thanks very much for for coming on the show. Uh, you know, we we learned a lot, and I hope the you know our audience appreciate it. And I. I'm I'm biased. I think we I think our listeners are great. I agree. You know, but, yeah. but, um and if there's anything more that can be done, because certainly we, we've seen um when, when Jamie the our you know, the blind fan came on, uh, yeah there were clubs, you know, club or two reached out and uh hopefully clubs can can perhaps have a rethink just yeah. doing mm-hmm. the simple things. And by the way, Wolverhampton Wanderers
0: oh. hats off. Hat, hats. You should be really proud Wolves fans. Yeah. And generally, Wolves fans listen to this, and I hope people at the club are, but if they're not, Wolves fans listen to this, please contact your club and tell them what a brilliant idea that dementia pack is. It's a brilliant idea. And like we said on the podcast, what's that going to cost? Five or a time, if that, to make a world of difference to a fan with dementia and also the people that are with that fan with dementia. I think that's a cracking idea. I really do. So it's it's really good to end that interview on a positive note and encourage other clubs to do as many things like that as, as can be done to make... Well, just to get that level playing field going. So thank you to everyone who's donated to the pod via our Patreon page. If you'd like to join them and make a small monthly contribution to the pod as well, that would be very kind of you. And it also gets you access to our chat community and our regular quizzes... And if you want to be a Price of Football ultra, it only costs you £5 a month, so you can do that by going to patreon.com slash football. If you have a question you'd like answered on the show, email us at questions at priceoffootball.com. And football.com is where you need to go if you want to snap up one of the few tickets left for our live show at the Royal Yacht on Jersey this coming Tuesday, um, November the 7th. You can also get our book, Unfit and Improper Persons, at the website and at All Good Bookshops. And go to that website if you want to buy one of our other books or get yourself a Price of Football t shirt. Bye now. Bye. The Price of Football. I'm for football.